Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Front Row Knowles post-game edition. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. And, KJ, I'm still basically stunned. I was in the end zone where it happened, so I was at the scene of the crime. I, I'm going to let you just go first. You watched it on TV. This we, We've done a lot of therapy sessions over the last few years. I don't know that any are going to be more therapeutic than uh, this conversation over the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, I'm in shock. Uh, obviously not pleased with how the game went, but certainly thought that uh, FSU would hang on and, you know, complete the victory, Uh, can make a lot of excuses, maybe even a couple of reasons, but the bottom line is they weren't ready to play and they didn't execute well. And many of the old habits came back, penalties, um, candidly lack of effort occasionally. And I know no one wants to hear it, but, you know, Jacksonville State is, a, is someone that Florida State should win a game against. We're obviously favored, but they're not a horrible football team. They're a very good football team for the football that they play. And FSU did the one thing you and I have talked about for 30 years. When you're playing an underdog, the longer you let them stay in the game and the more they think they can compete with you, then the harder it is it's going to be to finish the ball game. And I guess we could give an excuse that says, you know, after the great effort six days ago, a letdown was to be expected. And that's exactly what this team did. And hopefully they'll use that as a learning experience. But the way this unfolded, particularly uh, the last play, uh, it's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And all of the good uh, that happened six days ago has been erased and maybe some more, unfortunately. No question. It's, you know, if you talk to coaches, players, athletes, fans, you remember the pain of the losses more than you remember the joy of the wins. And we're just six days apart from feeling pretty good when we all finished watching the FSU Notre Dame game and maybe it it was a harbinger of things to come as I was doing the pregame show Keith and there wasn't any rain in the forecast and I'm looking and lo and behold there's dark storm clouds and we start with a weather delay and that was about the time that I saw that Notre Dame had barely beaten Toledo after they were emotionally spent from beating Florida State last week now credit to Notre Dame they did hang on and win their game and then you get into the game and you get the ball first. And I'll let's just start there, Keith, because I was on the sideline. I happened to be right at the angle where Mackenzie Milton 
threw probably the two best balls, certainly the two best balls in a row that I've seen any FSU quarterback throw, maybe since Jameis. I mean, he hits McLean right in the fingers and he drops it and he hits Keyshawn for a sure touchdown. And that's the first drive and you should be up seven zip and well on your way to winning this game by five, six touchdowns. And from there, it was game on. You know, we've talked last year about how this team, when they got down, didn't find the ability to rebound and come back. But that was usually because the opponent had done something to them. It is appropriate to discuss the fact that FSU let themselves down. It wasn't Jacksonville State doing it to them. But early in the first drive and, and arguably the first quarter, the FSU kept shooting itself in the foot. And that's a different kind of thing you've got to rebound against. But that's really splitting hairs. I mean, you know, the bottom line is they weren't ready to play. And, and that enthusiasm and that uh, excitement that we saw six days ago was very much uh, not a part of this team. And some, you know, the coaching staff, Coach Norvell, you know, they're going to have to figure that out um, because that, that's a remarkable change over a six-day period, in my opinion. I think that's the hardest part, Keith, because Norvell is no nonsense at practice. He kicks guys out of practice. I mean, it was not a take this team light. I mean, they worked hard this week so that this wouldn't happen. And, and I really thought that we had maybe turned the page on that. We've talked a lot in the last several years about how when adversity has hit, Florida State has shriveled up. And I thought, he mentioned it at the time last year, the Duke game, and I know it was Duke, but adversity hit and Florida State held on and won that game, made some good plays down the stretch. And then adversity hit against Notre Dame and they responded too. So I, I thought we had turned the page on that. Uh, even, even tonight, even at 17-14, you still just need one play. You need one yard. You need one first down or you need one stop at the end of the game. There, there were so many things that had to happen for Jacksonville State to win that. And credit, credit Jacksonville State, but uh, a targeting call when you have an interception. And that was about the third or fourth penalty of that drive that let them keep going. Uh, I mean, I stopped keeping track because it was a little uh, – it was a lot disconcerting. But – the, the, the last play, Keith, that, that's just an absolute stunner. And even when he caught it, I'm thinking, well, maybe they got a chance to bring him down and time will expire. It was going to be like the Rams-Titans Super Bowl where somebody's going to be a yard short. But he just cut back and there was nobody that was going to get him. And, and two kids, I'd have to go back and check the tape because I've had my hands over my eyes, basically, or better said, I had my face in my hands in disbelief. But a couple of kids had the opportunity to bring him down. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how that doesn't happen. And, you know, the touchdown before that was busted coverage. Uh, we saw some busted coverage early in the Miami game. I recall one time uh, they're, they're good, very good tight end, uh, had a touchdown reception, but just blown communication on the, the next, the last touchdown. And then again, what appeared to be somewhat lack of effort. You know, it's kind of like, well, I'm not really in position to make the play, so I'll let somebody else make it. And, you know, that's a recipe for, for defeat, and that's exactly what happened. 
Yeah, I know the focus is going to be on the defense and the, the certainly the end of the game. And when you give up two touchdowns in the last five minutes against Jacksonville State, uh, perhaps rightly so. But, you know, the problem that we saw tonight was the same problem that Florida State had against Notre Dame to a large degree, and that's playing behind the sticks. And, and FSU was atrocious on third and fourth down conversions against Jacksonville State. I think they were 5 of 13 on third downs and 0 for 2 on fourth down. 0 for 3 on fourth downs, if, if I remember correctly. And, and meanwhile, if you combine third and fourth down, Jacksonville State was 9 of 18. Well, you got one team 50%, and you got another team that's like 30%. And, but but the, the bigger point here is it, it's, it's two games in a row where the offense is sputtering so much, and they're going three and out for several series in a row, and the, and the time of possession is getting lopsided. And I, I do believe this defense is better this year. But it's hard than, than we the last couple of years. But it's hard to make that claim in light of what I've seen at, at key times against Jacksonville State. And it, it wasn't that it was a key time, but you had the bus to start the series in the game against Notre Dame. Uh, it, it's just t- what I'm saying, though, Keith, is everybody's going to focus on defense. But but the offense, you know, you were you were inside the ten wherever they were. The, the fourth down pass that was uh, not ruled a catch. You, you got to punch that in from there and get a touchdown. I didn't mind not going for the field goal there because that, that wasn't going to get you to a three-score game. I thought it was the right call to go for the touchdown. But you got to be able to get a yard against Jacksonville State. And they couldn't do it. And that, that in essence, is, is probably the biggest issue. Consistency on offense, uh, staying away from the dumb penalties, uh, you know, that we saw over the last couple of years on offense. Defensively, I mean, you can pull some things from the numbers. They held uh, Jacksonville State to just right at 100 yards, a little over 100 yards rushing. Uh, they had five sacks. Uh, you know, there, there were some things there they did right, but they just made so many mistakes at so many inopportune times. And more importantly, it should never have been a game in the fourth quarter. You should have put this team away in the second, maybe early part of the third quarter. But when you continue to shoot yourself in the foot, as you mentioned, when the offense continues to sputter on first and second down, um, you know, that's just a recipe for, for an upset. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's talk about the offense some more first, and then we'll get back to defense, Keith. As I mentioned, that first drive, Milton, that, that's really the only time in the game they went vertical. And Milton hit two guys in stride in a row. One was going to be a 30-yard gain. One was going to be a 50-yard touchdown. Um, and then after that, if you look at it, the only completions he really had was was to the sides. And um, I, I mean, what did they average, three or four yards per pass or per completion? I mean, it was abysmal. They it couldn't was get three anything. And a half for three and a half per attempt and maybe seven per completion. And the longest com- pass completion for Florida State was 17 yards on the game. Yeah, I mean, that that can't happen no matter what. And, and I actually feel like, Keith, now this is, you know, this is definitely glasses half full, but I like what I've seen from the young receivers. McLean last week, even tonight, I mean, that was a heck of a catch he made uh, in the back of the end zone, and we can get to that and whether it should have been called a catch. I thought Darian Williamson has played well as a youngster. Really, Helton, I thought he had a good week last week. He's not a youngster, but that was a bad, bad drop tonight. 
But yes. you, you got. But but even if you want to, I mean, we knew the receivers are not great. This is this is not you know Peter Warwick and Ron Dugans and Stoop Millis and, and Minnis and Lavernius Coles. But but so you know if you want to call them C receivers or a D class or whatever, you still got to be able to get more than 17 yards as your your longest play of the night against Jacksonville State. And I don't know the answer to the question. You know, Coach Dillingham and and and, and, and McKenzie would have to give us the answers about whether they were running through the reads and, and Jacksonville State was intentionally trying to take the long ball away for the most part. So he was checking down. I do know that they, they threw four or five of those wide receiver screens. One of those almost got picked off. And, and they got a little bit out of them. But I, I'm like you. I would rather see them try to push the ball down the field a little more. Um, and it just didn't happen. Um, McDonald had a drop. Um, there were a couple of other throws in there that uh, could have been a little bit better. But, you know, when you've got your quarterbacks completing less than 50% of your passes and you're, you're only getting six and seven yards per completion and the longest completed pass is 17, I think there is legitimate criticism that they need to relook the passing attack and get a little more vertical with it. Yeah. I, now, I thought I like the way Milton commands the offense and he moves around better than I expected him to. Agreed. He, he adjusts his arm angle to different slots and the ball comes out on time. I mean, I really, you know, I mentioned not to belabor the point on the two, the two drops on the first drive, but it was maybe the second or third drive. It was early in the game. He threw a ball uh, to Andrew Parchment, who was lined up wide left, and it sailed over Parchment's head. And it looked like Milton had misfired on that, but, but, and, and I'd have to look at the tape, but McKenzie immediately after that play went over and said something to Parchment. So I, my, my thought is probably that Parchment either wasn't wide enough at the start or he stepped in towards the quarterback instead of stepping out. And so, so it's a technique or, or a route mistake on the receiver there. And then later in the game, Jordan Wilson dropped one over the middle. Now he did get hit. So I thought Milton, and he held up for the game. I mean, that's the most he's played. I know we saw him play last week, but he played four quarters basically, save for a couple snaps that Jordan Travis took. So uh, assuming he's feeling okay, and I, I saw him walk into the locker room after the game, I don't know how he'll be feeling on Sunday. I, I mean, I think that's a good sign. But I don't know I don't know what you do with the court. I mean, I guess you start Milton, and, and you, you continue to try to mix Travis in where you can going forward. But, but what do you think there? I think so. Uh, and again, regardless of who's in first and foremost, I think you've got to go back and make a concerted effort to try to get the ball down the field a little bit more. Um, the positive was that uh, uh, Corbin had another 100-yard rushing day, averaged a little over seven yards per carry. Um, you saw some good things out of Ward. Um, you know, the, the running attack had la- accounted for a little over 200 yards of the offense. Um, but that, the passing game just, just didn't seem to fit. There was, there's, that needs to be looked at that, that has not, uh, been good for Florida state for two consecutive games now. Yeah, I know we got uh fire trucks uh, moving in front of me. This is a second straight week, uh, Keith, that, uh, I'm, I'm driving home while we record the show. Cause I didn't want to sit in the shadows of the stadium any longer after what I, my eyes witnessed on uh, Saturday night. Um, 
I will say this in terms of the offensive line, Keith, and this speaks to the fact that the depth is not where they want it. So you didn't have Maurice Smith as your starting center. Uh, he, you know, he, he only played the first half last week. I'm not sure what his ailment is, but he's not 100%. He wasn't dressed out. So he had Baby on Johnson start. Well, at some point in the game, Robert Scott, who had started at one of the tackle spots, came out of the game. Now, I don't know what happened. Uh, he, I, he was in the injury tent, but I saw him after that. And uh, he even had a smile on his face at some point. So he was, I don't, it'd only be a complete guess as to what it was, but it didn't appear to be anything serious. But when he came out of the game, they have to move three guys around to solidify their offensive line. They moved Devontae Love Taylor from guard to tackle. And then they moved Darius Washington from one tackle to the other. And then they bring in 55, whose name is escaping me right now at guard. So, and you consider you didn't have your starting center. Basically, at that point, four-fifths of your offensive line is not starting at the position that you, you plan to, which speaks to depth. But, but then you get into some of the penalties. And th- there were several. I mean, there's illegal man downfield, which, in fairness, that could be the ball didn't get out in time for one reason or, an- or another. But there were some holds and there were some false starts. And it, it just got sloppy at that point. And, and that causes you offensively to lose your rhythm and not get in any type of uh, in sync. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just not good. And um, again, you know, people are going to point to the defense. They're going to make uh, criticisms of the big plays, but uh, the best friend that a defense has is an offense that every time they come in gets one, at least one or two first downs keeps the ball for six or seven or eight plays at a minimum to give that defense a chance to rest and get reorganized on the sideline. And, and, and right now the offense is not doing Florida state real well in that regard. Well, no well, question. let's look at two, let's look at two weeks in a row at winning time. If you will, Keith, last week, Florida state was down three. They get it to third and four and you get a bad snap that forces you to, to settle for the game tying field goal. When you had all the momentum in the world, and I really think they probably would have converted and gone in to score a touchdown and, and beaten Notre Dame in regulation. Then tonight against Jacksonville State, you get one first down because Jack State jumped off sides. And then you get it to a third and short, and you can't get the one yard, even going wildcat with seven guys on the line of scrimmage. And Corbin, and I talked to him after the game, if there's one thing Corbin's done, and I like him as a running back, he has gotten the tough yard since he's arrived at FSU. And this is one of the times where he couldn't sim- – if you get one yard and one more first down, the game is over. Correct. And FSU couldn't get that yard. And that's just very, very disappointing. Um, and, and some would even say disconcerting because that's when you've got to double down on your focus. You, you've just got to make sure that that – play gets executed properly period the end there is no margin for excuses yeah and you think about it last week the one short yardage play they had to have was the fourth down play that uh, Travis didn't get the ball out right away to Cam McDonald who was open and they ends up throwing an interception so I mean there's a lot to clean up there I, I do like what we've seen from Corbin I mean he ran for over 100 yards again uh, a big average. He, he does get the tough yard. Treshawn Ward looks good. Toa Feely didn't really have a good night, but it, it, it was a forgettable night overall for, for the offense, I'd say. 
Uh, I'm working back to the defense, Keith. I mean, Fitzgerald made a long kick. That was nice to see in light of the fact that he missed one in overtime last week. Right. Uh, uh, Master Mono punted well, including getting one to, to die at the, you know, about the one foot line. So I think, you know, they're one of the punt returns by Helton broke free for a little bit. So I think the special teams play was, was pretty good. Uh, which brings us back to the defense, Keith. And before we talk about it collectively, Jermaine Johnson, the second is a flat out ball player. I mean, he had another, he had three and a half tackles for loss and two or two and a half sacks. He had 11 tackles. I mean, he's done more in two games than Florida State starting defensive ends from last year did combine cumulatively through the whole season. I, I mean, and that sounds like hyperbole, but if, I, I mean, I bet if you pull out the numbers, it's not far off from being an accurate statement. Oh, I can assure you it is, and that's why he is our Hobson Chevrolet Buick defensive player of the game. I mean, he, he as you mentioned, uh, finished with double-digit uh, tackles. Uh, according to the stat sheet that I looked at, was credited with two-and-a-half sacks along with three-and-a-half tackles for loss. And uh, for the second consecutive week, he is our Hobson Chevrolet Buick player of the game, defensive player of the game. You want your best deal? As they say, head up to Cairo and visit uh, Hobson Motor Cars. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he could be the ACC defensive lineman of the week again. I mean, he's, he's wreaking havoc on the opposition and he plays with a, a big motor. He makes, you know, he makes key stops too. It's not like he's piling up the stats when they don't matter. When he's making the plays, they matter. He had Correct. a huge stop on a, like a third and four. He drags a guy down from behind a yard, a yard shy of the first. Uh, so, I, I mean, I like what I've seen from the front. They played a lot of different guys up front because one of the issues they're going to have is they have to develop depth at defensive end. They can't just go with Jermaine and Keir Thomas. So they really played a lot of McClendon and Cushney and Quayshon Fuller, uh, you know, which I think was part of the plan. The linebacker position we didn't talk a lot about last week, Keith. It, clearly, you know, if you get the right matchup, if you're the, the opposing offense and you get the running back isolated, the running back's going to win that because Florida state, I'm talking about when I guess it's against Lundy, who's, who doesn't have this, he's got size, but he didn't have the speed to keep up with the running back there. Well, the other thing they struggle with is, is they're not instinctive in their zone coverage. Um, for the linebackers and, and to an extent, the safeties, um, you know, they, they, they run their, their zone and they stand there. I mean, they, you, you've got to have the ability. You've got to have that peripheral vision. You've got to know when somebody is either threatening or physically in your zone and get to him. I mean, you know, playing zone isn't to get to a spot and stand still. Playing zone is you've got a part of the field you're responsible for. And however uh, a threat enters that area, you got to get to him. Uh, and, and they have really struggled in zone coverage. Now, they've played a couple of quarterbacks, and nobody wants to hear this, but they've played a couple of quarterbacks that were very accurate. Uh, and Cooper, I mean, I, I didn't know the stats, but, you know, he's approaching 8,000 yards uh, in passing uh, during his career at Jacksonville State, and he played very well last year, had great numbers last year in the passing game, and Florida State was fortunate to win that game. Um, so there's, there is some credit to the opponent, but uh, there, there's 
a great deal of, of improvement that's got to take place on the defensive side of the ball, particularly in the zone uh, when you're playing zone defense against the pass. They just haven't performed well. The, the last two drives, Keith, I, I mean, Jacksonville State, well, first of all, we didn't talk about this. What did you think about the fact that they didn't give McLean the touchdown there on that fourth and one in the corner of the end zone? It was the proper call. What you've got to remember is that, you know, there's no one likes to talk about it, but there's slightly different rules about when you come down with the football in the end zone or outside the end zone. He made the catch. He got the foot down, but he didn't secure the ball completely through landing. The ball, the ball was clearly uh, moving around, and he recaptured it around his waist. Uh, it, it was the appropriate call, unfortunately. That's, a, that's exactly what I said on the radio network, Keith, because I was standing right there. And uh, none of the officials wanted to make a call. I mean, there were three right there, and they all looked at each other, and nobody knew what to call, so one of them waved it incomplete. Uh, I do think, despite the fact the ball did move, had they ruled it a touchdown initially, they might have left it a touchdown. But because they said incomplete, there was certainly not enough to turn it. Yeah, because he, he caught the ball and it was up chest high. And when he landed on his backside, the ball shifted and it was around his waist where he secured right. it. And his whole body was out of bounds at that point. Uh, so, unfortunately, I, I agree with you on that. And I figured that's the way that one was going to go. All right. So now Jacksonville State's starting to drive at the one. You get him to third and long, and, and Jarian Jones tackles a guy before he catches it. And I'll, and I'll tell you this, I, I was watching a different route. I was watching Jamie Robinson cover his guy in the middle of the field. He completely held him when that receiver made a move. So had they not called Jarian, they could have called Jamie on that one. I mean, it's a, you, you, you're the DB, Keith. What, what did you see? What went wrong there? What happens is they don't allow themselves to get in proper position and, and, you know, either inside or outside, you got to take one side away. You, you can't cover a man straight up. You, you, you got to take the inside away or take the outside away. And they get there and they're right in between. So in order to cover for themselves, they reach up and grab. Um, and you see that with everybody. That's just not a Florida State thing, but it's, it's just not right. Um, I would much rather see them you know, doing a lot more bump and run and taking the chance that someone throws the ball over their head than all these passes that are getting completed in front of them or to either side. So anyway, that was one of the penalties on that drive. There was, you know, the, there was targeting later. That was the right call on targeting, by the way. It was. It was. Yep. Unfortunately, again, it was. Can we go on a tangent real quick, Keith? And this will sound like sour grapes because we're both disappointed, upset, shocked that Florida State lost. Yes, sir, we can. I, I don't know if it's over-officiating because the, the, the calls, the controversial calls, FSU fans may not agree, but it was targeting, and I agree that that was not a touchdown catch. But when you're calling 13 penalties on one team and 11 on the other, and you're in a review, I, I mean, the, the way that game went, the second half, it was like one snap, injured player, timeout, one snap, review, timeout. There, there's just no – it's so disjointed. They, they've got to do something about the reviews. I mean, we reviewed a play that if it, it, it would have changed it from third and ten to third and eight for Jacksonville State if the guy had caught it. And it took them two and a half minutes to determine that it was not a catch and it should be third and ten. There's got to be some 
I don't know if we have to get back to just reviewing touchdowns or first downs, but but we're killing the game with this. I don't disagree. Uh, I recall at one particular point there were back-to-back reviews. Uh, so that's five minutes and you've run two plays. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is, Tommy. Um, I do know that the referees would tell you that the players are bigger and faster. Uh, the game is much more spread out with the hurry-up offenses and the quick passes. Uh, you know, there's more action going on with three guys or even sometimes four guys out wide. You've got all the crossing routes and all the things that go on there. You know, the game is much more complicated, but that does not take away from your point, which I wholeheartedly support, that, you know, I mean, even even the Jacksonville State coach, there was a early in the ball game, there was a face mask. It was on the complete opposite side of the field from where the play was going. And you could you could see him as he mouthed to the officials, it was way over there. What why are you calling it way over there? And I agree with that. I mean, I know penalties are penalties, but if it's 40 yards away from the play and it's not malicious. Let it go. Yeah, you and I have talked about this for a long time, that it, it's it's just – it's always felt like the ACC, when in doubt, throw the flag, and the SEC, when in doubt, swallow the whistle. And and it just continues to feel that way the more I watch it. I mean, it's it's as if the officials are, are, are paid by how many times their yellow flag – you know, they're paid by the penalty. Uh, and that said, Gary Patterson's actually one of the better referees, and I agree with the with the, the two biggest calls in the game. I just think it's killing the game with the replays. And you know where I am on targeting, Keith. It's been at least it's been at least a month since I've talked about this, right? Just throw the flag, <laughs> call it a personal foul, and then sort it out the next day at the league office. Don't waste two and a half minutes to determine if it was targeting or not and toss the guy out now. Figure it out at the league office so it's, it's uh, enforced consistently across the league and we can just get on with playing football. That's my two cents. We haven't gotten there yet, Keith, but – it just slows down the game too much. Well, hopefully uh, they'll continue to at least acknowledge what we're saying, and maybe at some point in time they'll listen to what you're saying, and uh, we'll get that accomplished. All we can do is hope. Do we have to do a prime Meridian Bank player of the game, Keith, before we talk we, about the, how this game ended? Because I don't think that's where we're going to find that player. Uh, we are not. It is now time for the prime Meridian Bank performance of the game and again i'm going to go with jay sean corbin uh he had uh, 109 yards rushing average 7.3 yards per carry did have the touchdown uh he continued to perform well so we've got back to back uh with the uh hobson uh chevrolet buick defensive player with jermaine johnson and back to back with our primary performance of the game with corbin speaking of performance you know, just last year, Prime Meridian was named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker Magazine. Want to bank where they call you by name, smiling faces that offer coffee and cookie when you walk in the door. Well, that's what I call a great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakin, or you can visit them on the web at trymybank.com. Do we even have to talk about the last play? Haven't we already covered that somehow or just plead ignorance? Well, Keith, I haven't seen the replay of it yet. I mean, I was standing in the end zone. He could have handed me the football right after he crossed the goal line. 
or maybe I could have done FSU fans a favor and met him at about the three and tried to make a tackle. Uh, that would have been a, quite a way to end a broadcasting career, Keith. But it, I did have that fleeting thought for a second, you know. <laughs> I hear you. I, like, I hear you. If, if nobody else is going to tackle him, can I go out there and lay down in front of him? Uh, there was six seconds left. Uh, where was the ball? Is it there 40? Was it a 60-yard? It was uh, between 50 and 60, 53, 54 maybe. So, and they had a timeout left. So with six seconds left, I suppose you maybe could get whatever they needed for the first. I don't remember if it was 10 or 15. Maybe. If you had it timed up completely right and you hit a guy and you immediately called timeout, maybe you could have gotten into field goal range. So maybe that's the reason that you don't have everybody just completely deep. But basically, with six seconds left in a college game, it's Hail Mary time. And it appeared to me that FSU was in man-to-man, Keith. And that said, he makes the throw. There still were guys that, that could have made a tackle. It just, it just can't happen. I mean, it just can't happen, and yet it did. I, I, again, I haven't seen the replay. I didn't stick around to watch it. I was as shocked as you were. So you tell me what else I'm missing there. You're not missing anything. I mean, I literally don't believe I saw what I saw. And I think that'll be the frustration uh, of many a Florida State fan, uh, you know, it's easy to say, you know, that just can't happen, but it can't. And if you're going to be a good football team, much less a great football team, you don't let it happen. And whether there was miscommunication, whether they should have made another call, whatever the factual parts of it are, um, somebody's just got to make a play or you're going to lose a ball game. And it, it, it unfortunately is no more complicated than that. And there were a couple of players that were in position to make a play. And candidly, they didn't give good. Yeah. We're doing our front row Knowles here. Uh, post game edition. Uh, it's the last play of the ball game. Morning. Keith, I'm losing you as we uh, do this edition of Front Row Knowles. Uh, this is what happens when you do it over Zoom and when I'm driving home from the stadium. Uh, I guess I hit a bad sell spot here. Are you with me, KJ? I'm still here. All right. Uh, yeah, you, you broke in and out there, but, but but your basic premise is it just simply can't happen. We, we all know that. I, I'm trying to think which games I've, I've witnessed that have been like that. Uh, one that comes to mind. Similar feeling but different was the Georgia Tech game in 2015 on the uh, block kick where uh, I didn't even wait till he crossed into the end zone. I got into the locker room before the Georgia Tech fans stormed the field there and got out of the way. But th- there, there haven't been too many that have come down to the last play like that. Uh, well, Miami- you know, if you, if you want to go the other way, it's like the P.K. Sam reception down in, in, at Florida Field. But in that that particular case, Florida State was on the, the positive end of it. So, you know, it happens in games. The, the, the difference is, you know, the good slash great teams don't let it happen to them. Yeah, and there was still, I think, about 20 seconds left when P.K. Sam caught that one in Gainesville. Uh, One down, six. similar. Florida State was in man, 
not zone, and that was second guessed at the time. But Tavares McFadden got got beat, and that was the touchdown that I forget the score in the game, but it was closing seconds, and Miami won the football game, and and they're still on a winning streak over Florida State. That was the 2017 game, right? Uh, I could probably point to a lot of FSU Miami games if I want to, you know, relive feeling pretty lousy when you leave the stadium. But for the sake of both of us, I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> well, and the bigger difference is those were rival. The things we've talked about were rivalry games or conference games. They were not games against an opponent that, you know, you should, you were and you should have beaten. Yeah, and this is the first time Florida State has ever lost to a, uh, an FCS school. Yeah, 26-0 and 20, going into this, I think. Yeah, and it, it go back to – so naturally there's going to there, – there was going to be a letdown no matter how hard the coaches try to coach that out of them. And you can be guaranteed that Mike Norvell, when he talked to the team beforehand, pointed out that Notre Dame might have taken Toledo a little lightly because they barely won 32-29. But nevertheless, it happened. I'll also point this out, and you can call it a reason or an excuse. Uh, it's not an excuse. Florida State shouldn't lose to Jacksonville State. Uh, Jack State's last game, where they lost 31 nothing to UAB, by the way, it was maybe four days. It might have been Thursday night. So, th so they had four or five days more rest than Florida State had, whereas FSU was on a short week. Again, that's the fact. It's not an excuse. Uh, but but they came to play, and, and it goes back to the very first point, Keith. If you let them hang around, if you give them a chance with one play, that can happen. I really felt like they had gotten away with it. They flirted with disaster when they were falling behind, but they got it tied. They got the lead at half. All they needed was one drive in the third quarter, and, and they could have got – but they never got the separation beyond the 10 points. And then you get first and goal inside the 10 – you, you, you got to get a touchdown there, and, and you make it 24-7, and the game's over. Uh, again, the field, the field goal there, I, I doesn't bother me they didn't kick the field goal. That would have been 20-7. to seven. Well, guess what? You would have lost 21-20. So it was the right call to go for it on fourth down there. But you just got to get one more play to, to finish the team, and they didn't. They gave him hope, and you got a, a redshirt senior quarterback that started his career at Clemson. He's a big kid at 6'3". He runs their offense well. And, man, did he, did he stun – all, all of Florida college football, frankly. I mean, that highlight's being replayed right now as you and I talk. No question. It's just, it's just disappointing, particularly the days ago, even in a loss. Um, you know, we felt good. We felt like progress had made. We felt like lessons were going to be learned. And uh, to lose all of that and to lose the game, uh, it's, it's really disheartening. And uh, I, I, I will tell you, we'll talk about this on Wednesday, but, you know, you, you're going up against a very good opponent in Winston-Salem next week. And there are a lot of people that are really high on this Wake Forest team. And if you don't get your head screwed back around and get it right, you're looking at starting this year 0-3, which none of us imagined. No, because this was the one gimme on the schedule, this in UMass. Uh, I, I do from a, from a fan morale standpoint, I give the fans credit because they, it was a great, a tremendous crowd against Notre Dame. It was a really good crowd against Jacksonville state too. And the students sold it out. Keith, this is now 
16, 17, 18, 19. This is the sixth year in a row where Florida State has has basically been a mess before you get out of September. If you look at the way the season is 16, right. you beat Ole Miss. But when you're five games in, you had lost 1,000 to 10 to Lamar Jackson in Louisville. UNC had beaten you with a field goal. You were sitting three and two maybe the first week in October. 2017, you lose your quarterback. You lose to Alabama. 2018, you lose to Virginia Tech in that Monday night opener. I mean, I don't need to, to remind us all of this, but but this is six years in a row where you're fighting uphill and you're two weeks into the college football season, and that's that's hard for Florida State fans. So I will not go down the road that some will, which is if you can't beat Jacksonville State, you're going to lose every game on the schedule. But if you cannot find a way to shake this off this week and compete in Wake Forest, you're looking at a really long year. There's no question. Agreed. Agreed. And um, that's got to be the focus. And whatever it takes to uh, impress that upon the kids and whatever the kids have got to do to uh, motivate themselves, because the coaches can't do it all, this will be a real gut check. And I know it's Wake Forest, and I know nobody wants to hear it, but the reality is the reality. I mean, you know, Wake Forest was involved in, in a huge victory over Florida State that, that, you know, when Jeff Bowden resigned, you know, that was an absolute, you know, tipping point for the program in many respects. You don't want to go through that again, in my opinion. No, you don't. That was 2006, 30 to nothing in Tallahassee. Well, Wake Forest has been circled. Everybody's known that this was a big game, but it was – the thought was, well, could Florida State get to two and one after Wake as compared to one and two? Now you need a win at Wake to get to one and two. Uh, again, you got to look at it one week at a time. It does no good to think about how how they're going to fare at Clemson, how they're going to do against Miami. None of that matters right now. You got to get your, your head out. You got to get your head out of you know where, and you got to play Wake Forest this week, and and uh, and compete. And I I do think that there are the the you know Jermaine Johnson is leading by example. Uh, Jay Sean Corbin is leading by example. Keir Thomas. Those are all guys that started their careers in the SEC, and they're the best players on the Florida State football team right now. And uh, I think for, for as well as they're playing and as hard as they're playing, they've got to be uh, they've got to be in shock too because I really thought that their presence would lift this, and, and I just fear that what we saw Saturday night uh, is going to be a return for Florida State to where they've been when when I really thought we had hit rock bottom and we had turned that corner already. I hope I'm wrong. Well, again, repeating, that will be the significance of the Wake Forest game, and that has to be impressed upon the minds of the players, and obviously the coaches know that, and our fans need to be respective of that. Uh, that makes the, the, the game against the Demon Deacons unbelievably important in the, in the Mike Norvell era, even though this is just year two. Anything else we need to mention about what happened Saturday night, Keith? Uh, you know, Tommy, again, uh, are not original on my part, but, you know, I, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I mean, that I just didn't see that coming and certainly still don't believe that last play. And that's, that's just very disheartening for our fan base. And we need to acknowledge that. And um, hopefully, hopefully, you know, the largest portion of them won't give up. Uh, but we need to acknowledge that there are some very unhappy 
and unsettled folks out there, and and rightfully so. So, what a difference six days make. We went from uh, cloud nine to whatever you call this. Uh, it's it's the opposite for sure. All right, Keith, uh, I appreciate our listeners hanging in there. We had some Zoom garble over the last few minutes, uh, but. But frankly, that's not the worst thing that uh, that happened to you folks tonight. I, I can assure you that, right? So, <laughs> that's right. That is right. That is right. So, so thanks for hanging in there with us. I'll, I'll end this now. Uh, Keith and I do our show each and every Wednesday at noon on 93.3. Uh, if you're finding this for the first time, we do record this after each and every uh, football game. It's raw. Uh, literally, I'm in the car driving home. I'm sitting in my driveway right now. I have not watched any of the replays. Uh, and as much as I enjoyed watching the replay of the Notre Dame game, Keith, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch the replay of this Jacksonville State game. <laughs> well, you probably won't watch it right now. If you do, it'll be later on in the week. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. All right, we'll, we'll do this again Wednesday. He's Keith, I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.